earn more comes back to everything we've talked about in this conversation. If you fix your hardware, improve your software, and upgrade your operating systems, you will earn more. You earn what you are worth. You earn the value that you bring to a person who's willing to pay you, less the profit they're going to make off of you. Let's go! Welcome to Becoming an Epic Being with your host, Sukoon. As an advocate of conscious living, my mission is to help you young adults navigate through the confronting issues of your generation, question conventional beliefs, and choose authenticity, because that is where your true joy lies. Each week, I dive into raw conversations with inspiring guests who have undergone big shifts and are here to offer you the tools to do the same. So get ready to step up your game and jump on the ride as you begin the journey towards the next stage of your self-evolution. Hello and welcome everyone. I am super glad that you are here because this episode is no less than an audio handbook on how to get from where you are to where you want to be. This is about how to upgrade your personal operating system, which is basically your hardware and your software, AKA your mind and behavior, so you can get shit done, make things happen and up-level your game in every area of your life. And I'm so glad to have Clint Murphy as the perfect guest for this subject. Clint wears many hats. Besides being the host of his podcast, The Growth Guide, he is a successful content creator on Twitter, husband and father of two young boys. And as if that isn't enough already to keep him busy, he also works as the chief financial officer for a real estate company. Frankly, I don't know how he does it all, but one of my key takeaways from this conversation was that it is never too late to up-level your game. In this episode, you will hear us talk about everything from how to stop living in our heads and manage our minds better, we also touch upon shadow work and how to create a new story for ourselves. And finally, Clint shares some best practices for managing money and working towards financial freedom. Clint is a lifelong learner and a growth fanatic with a goal to help 1 billion people be better, achieve more, and become financially free. He does this by sharing lessons from millionaire mentors, expert authors, and of course, insights from his own life. So brace yourself for what you're about to hear. I really, really appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with me. I really appreciate that, Clint. Thank you. And it's such a pleasure to have you. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. I saw some of the conversations you've been having recently uh, on with some of the videos that you've been posting. So it was good. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very intrigued by your personal operating system, given all that okay. you juggle in life, because it's very rare to find people who do so many things so well. I mean, you help people with financial freedom, build their brands, you're a podcaster, you raise two boys, which I usually call double trouble. And with all yes. that stuff already going on, you still manage to do your full-time job as a CFO. Talk yeah. about being a man of many talents. What drives you to do what you do? So the, the inner drive is to achieve my long-term vision and purpose. So if, if I look at it, my goal 
is to be a creator full time. Right. So I want to I want to get to the stage where I can write, podcast, public speak, coach and consult, invest in private equity and real estate, and that's what I do twenty four seven. To do that, I have to be willing to put the time and effort in while I'm still doing my day job. So I have to build the brand and build the potential, build the processes and systems now so I can take those steps later. And so that was a plan I created. I always knew that's what I wanted to do when I pivoted. Mm -hmm. I agreed with work in 2018 that I would do that at a point in the future. And when COVID hit, because I'd never intended to start any of this until I got closer to the date that I was intending to do that. Right. When, when COVID hit in Vancouver, we were on, similar to some cities or countries, we were on the lockdowns. So I couldn't see family. I couldn't see friends. My kids' sports were canceled. We were working from right. home. They were at home. And so you looked at it. In all the things that I had allowed to occupy or steal time in the past, we're now gone. So then the question was, well, what do you want to do with all this extra time that was created? And I decided, why don't I start some of the things I will eventually do now, being the podcast and social media? Mm -hmm. And within a certain period of time, Twitter really started to take off. And, and that started to tell me, well, wait a second. Maybe the timeline doesn't have to be as long as you think. Maybe it can be expedited. And then right. the question is, well, how can it be expedited? What do you have to do? How much more do you have to do? And then the question is always, what are you willing to do? Oh, yeah. And you cracked the code right there, didn't you? With all the stuff that you've managed to achieve in what, not even two years with the podcast? Well, the the, the podcast is going well, but it's it's still in its infancy. And, and right. I, I, know. I, you know, I and you get it because you're doing yeah. you're doing the same thing. And it's as a long term game. It's a long term game. And, and I always looked at it. And for some reason, I thought that around episode 100 would be where things really started to shift. Just keep putting the reps in until you get to that 100th episode. And we were on track for that to be a reality. 20% month over month growth every month since inception. And so it was on track to be pretty crazy by then. And then we did a pivot. And so this is the fun part because sometimes you have to take a step forward to take or a step backwards to take steps forward. And we prior started to prioritize the newsletter. And one of the reasons is I've been listening to a few podcasts and, and other creators. And, and one of the things that jumped out at me when Tim Ferriss interviewed James Clear, they talked about this. You can generally send your newsletter readers to your podcasts. It's very hard to send your podcast listeners to your newsletter. So if you're going to optimize for one, the one you should optimize for is the newsletter. And so we started that about a month or so ago. And so now that's growing very, very well. Fantastic. But the podcast has plateaued. So it's always this, this battle of, of what's the goal? Exactly. What's the priority? What do you have to say no to, to say yes to? Because you can't say yes to everything. And, and this is a conversation I'm, I'm going to have with my, with my wife today, who's now part of the team. 
because she's, yeah. she's dabbling in a number of platforms. Mm. And so, so the conversation has to be, let's cut off this, this, and this. Yeah. And only do these two until you're an expert in them until you have them on autopilot. And then let's introduce a third and then let's introduce a different avenue of your expression. But until then, pair back what you're doing, because right now you're doing so many things okay, but you need to do one, two at most, excellently. Well, you know what they say, and you remind me of this thing we just called expert generalist, if that makes sense, because yes, you do, yes. do many things pretty well. And it is so clear that you push yourself in pretty much every area of life that there is. And it's funny how you say, I'm still not done. So my question to that is, what is this ultimate feeling that you're actually after? Well, that's the fun part. There is no feeling. There is, there is no done. Because what, let's take a step back. What is done? Like to me, done is I'm dead. That's done. That, that's it's when I'm truly evolving. done. Yeah. And, and, and until I'm dead, the moment I think I'm done, I've started the progression to death. Because, because if you're not growing, if you're not evolving, if you're not moving forward, then you are dying. You are devolving. You, you are disappearing. And so you're on your path to death. And it reminds me of Jeff Bezos always day, always, always day, uh, day one, right? You never want, you never want it to be the next day because then mediocrity steps in. Yeah. Then you're on the path to, 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 to death and bankruptcy. I, I liken our life to that same approach. The moment we stop the habits and the behaviors and the mindset that is moving us forward, yeah. we go backwards. And for me, I love to learn. I love to grow. This is, this is my passion. So it's, it's not pushing myself in areas that I don't want to be. And it's pu pushing for the right reasons. So doing that deep shadow work to understand mm. historically, I was pushing myself because I was that 12 year old little boy who just wanted his dad to say he was proud of him. And so I would kill myself as an adult to have my dad in my imagination say, I'm proud of you, son. And at the end of the day, that's not a healthy reason to push yourself. And when you recognize it, you can let go of that and say, okay, I'm going to stop pushing myself because of that. And I'm going to choose how to push myself if I want to. And for my own personal reasons, not for that reason. And that's the subtle difference is understanding where is that inner drive and push coming from? And part of it yeah. now is it's just what I love to do. I love that. Well, a lot of this does come down to mindset because that pretty much you know, determines how we play out and show up in all our lives. And I'm very curious about what kind of ideas or what your overall upbringing was like that you were exposed to that basically helped you to do all that you have done now and achieve financial freedom before the age of 40. Yeah, for me, it's interesting because I would say a lot of it I've learned along the way. And so growing up, I grew up, there were definitely things that served me. So let, let's pick through those. I grew up lower middle class, 
So we always had a roof over our head. We always had food. Uh, education was was good. We never had the the extras, right? And, and so for a lot of the world, I I had everything because I was in in Canada in the right spot, sure. growing up in the right area. So right there, I, I I won a bit of the lottery. But we grew up lower middle class. Um, didn't have all the nice things. lived in a lived in a pretty small city far outside of the core. So we were about an hour and a half out. There was under 20,000 people in the city I grew up in. So reasonably small, reasonably rural. What we had going for us, and and I had ADHD, though undiagnosed. I was diagnosed in my 20s. So I never focused on school. I didn't do very well there. Where my mother and father chose to focus me they didn't they had a rough idea they never had me diagnosed but they had a rough idea something was up so they said let's put him in every possible sport we can to burn out his energy so he's not bouncing off our walls he's on the field (laughs) bouncing off you know the other players and the coaches and then he'll come home and he'll be yeah so they exhausted me that was their method so i so i played pretty much every major north american sport growing up some of them at a reasonably high level And they, the other thing my mother did was she said, and and this shows up today. And so you won't be surprised by this one. She said, even though we don't have the money for X, Y, or Z, you know, you're not going to get the new sneakers. Mm. You're not going to get the the nice pair of jeans. The luxuries of life. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get the luxuries, but I'll always have money for your books. You know, if they're not at the library and you want to read something, we'll buy it. Mm. So so a love of books and a love of reading has always been my path. And, and for some of the listeners, the, they'll realize not having those luxuries in some of them, we will call them luxuries. But when you're in grade five, six, seven, eight, nine, and the other kids have those jeans and they have those sweaters and they have the Jordans and, you know, you're kind of rocking the, the hand-me-downs because you're the youngest <laughs> – it's not a bad thing, but but there's a level of feeling like you don't belong. There's a level of feeling like you're not enough. And there's a there's a there's the other kids will there's that bullying, right? It's much worse yeah. today with the cyber, but back then, you know, they just just make jokes about your what you're wearing or or, or that you don't have so money. And yeah. So you as a kid, you internalize all of that. So what's your way out? And for me, the way out, the two places that I never felt alone were in the books and on, and on the playing field. Because on the playing field, we've all got our uniform on. And the player who plays the best, your teammates become your friends. If you can add value to the team, if you can help them win, even if you don't have the nice shoes, they stand up for you. They have your back. And so sports and books were my path to growth and where that served me is the the saying that you always hear read what you love until you love to read so it used to be all fantasy novels and and fiction and and then by the time i i got to college i started to sprinkle in five to ten nonfiction a year and then somewhere around 38 it just became pretty much all nonfiction. Wow. Still sprinkle in the occasional fiction, but now we're doing about 50 nonfiction books a year. So we do a, po- a podcast episode every week with an author. 
And, and so the mindset shifts happened along the way as I read those books. And then the other one is generally the big mindset shifts in your life come out of the big challenges that you have in your life. So for me, that was three major challenges that shifted me as a person exponentially. 32, 36, and 40. So every four years from 32 to 40, I had a major evolution in who I was and how I approached life. And, and what were those were... Then? Each time was something dark. So, so 32 was physical health. And uh, a friend somewhat made fun of me. I, uh, a friend, she was talking about a run she did. And I was congratulating her on the time she did it in and, and, and saying how well she did. And one of my friends piped up and said, well, and I'd always been a runner when I was young. And he said, well, you couldn't do that anymore. And so being a competitive kid from all the sports, I immediately threw out, of course I can, right? And, you know, not I, I probably didn't say it that way because I didn't want to trivialize what she had just done. But I said, you know, like, yeah, I, could, I, I think I could still do it. And so we made a bet. The day of the bet, it snowed. And so he called me and he called it off. He said, hey, it's all right. Don't worry about it. You don't have to do it. Um, and then he said something that I'll, you know, I never forget because a couple things come out of it. One, he said, besides the look in your eyes when you took the bet was enough, enough for me. So one, that's a bad friend. A good friend would never say that type of thing to you, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to see you uncomfortable. They don't want to see you in a place of pain. They want to see you win. They want to support you, push you, challenge you and have yeah, your back. Yeah. So right away, bad friend, put him, put him in the bad friend pile. <laughs> okay. And then number two is how have I let myself go in life where I've become a person who only achieves things in their mind, not in real life? Gosh, wow. So, so and that one's powerful because a lot of us, and, and you see people writing about this now, when you think about achieving the goal, when you tell other people the goal, you release the dopamine. So you've already done it. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Your mind, your mind doesn't know the difference that, you, between real that you actually finished the race or that you thought of finishing the race. Yeah. And yeah. so we can use that for, we can use that in powerful ways and, and we will in our lives, but where it doesn't work is the big goals. If you only ever think about them, you finish an Ironman on the couch, you become an entrepreneur while you're playing World of Warcraft. Gosh. It's all in your head. And so many of us, live in our head. So at 32, I made the conscious decision to get out of my head and achieve in the real world. And so what that looked like was I, I told my wife I was going to do a half Ironman that year. She kind of said, yeah, yeah sure. Okay, whatever. Because I said so many things I was going to do and not done them. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of that year, I think I lost 25, 30 pounds, completed a half Ironman, signed up to do an Ironman a year later, lost another 10 to 15 pounds and finished my first Ironman. But what that did was it taught me that, and, and here's the simple recipe to life, know what you want, understand what it takes, do the work day in, day out. So that was the first time I put that to work. I knew what I wanted. I wanted to get the Ironman. 
I understood what it took. I had a training plan that was one year long, two years if you consider the half Ironman. And so I said, I'm going to go from here to here in the next two years, created a plan, and then did the work. And so once you do that, you realize, well, wait a second. Why can't I do that with my finances? Why can't I do that with my career? There's no category where that isn't the answer. Wow. And, I love and so, how you, yeah. so that was number one. So you basically use that as your fuel to apply that in other areas of your life, including your financial and every other goal that you would think of. Wow. And don't, aren't you thanking your parents for giving your books instead of, you know, I don't know, like Nike shoes or whatever else, because that served you so bloody well, right? Like just getting books. Amazing. I love that. Yeah, I got my first pair of Jordans this year or wow. 2020, 2022, wow. but uh, when I, on my 44th birthday. That's so, it, you know, it was really exciting. I was like, oh, I yeah. love these. And so now I wear them all the time. And my wife bought me a second pair for Christmas. She's like, I'll buy you two pairs a year, one for your birthday, yeah. one for Christmas. So now what you didn't have growing up, <laughs> You can, you can Aww. get a couple pairs a year. Like that's so this, sweet, you know? So, yeah. and, and my kids can have that, but, but then the question becomes, and, and we won't, you know, we won't go too wide on this one today, but the question becomes how, if I can give them the Jordans, mm. <laughs> how do I create that fire in them? And do I, I even have to, because do they, do we all have to have that fire or if we don't want it, we don't need it. That's, that's a fun one. It is. And I think they'll be far better off by having the fire independently. That's what yeah, I have yeah. now come to believe. Yeah, that's really, that really hit home. So, so that's the, you know, when you ask about the finance, that was the path. It was okay. Yeah. I want to be, you know, the first time was okay. I want to be a millionaire, created a path for that. And then it's, you know, now I, now I say, I want to be a billionaire and I have a path for that. And yeah, I, I, might, I might not hit it, but I'm reasonably certain I'll hit a number that's yeah. pretty astronomical by the time I'm done. If I live long enough, you know, if I live to Warren Buffett's age, I'll be a billionaire. If I, if I, if I stop at 75, it, it'll be a hundred million, 150 million. And, and part of that is simply compounding, right? I write about yeah. this all the time. And, and this is one of the mindsets is I'm just going to build my asset base big enough mm. and continue to invest in it, continue to use smart leverage, and once the app, asset base is big enough, compounding takes care of the rest. So, so we, we did that with finance. Career, we did that. So we got to CFO. And, and then when you look at everything we're talking about with the social media, with the podcast, with the newsletter, it's all the same thing. I know where I want to get. After this, I got a chalkboard behind me in my, I've got a, like, this is my sort of Clint Cave, man cave at, at the house. And... I've got a chalkboard there. I'm going to write down some numbers. Those are going to be the targets for this year. And okay, there's the target. What do we need to do to hit it? What are the daily actions? Let's go do them. And you just yeah. rinse and repeat. Exactly. Well, what is a goal if it's not big and audacious, isn't it? Like it has to be that big and scare you. And speaking of living in our heads, you mentioned that a few minutes ago. Um, I also heard you say in one of your other conversations about how our thoughts are not really or how our thoughts are driven by impulse, not really objective or logical thoughts. So how do you tell that your thoughts aren't real? This is, this is the second, this is the second one. So it's at, at about 35, 36, 
maybe it was 34-ish, somewhere in that 34 to 36. I made a mutual decision with the employer I was at that I was going to move on. In hindsight, I'm going to say I was fired. The So there was a bit of a wake-up call. So I have – we were closing pretty shortly on a townhouse we had bought that ended up being the best investment we ever made. But we hadn't sold our prior one, and my wife was pregnant with our second child. Gosh. So it's – we need to come up with – couple hundred thousand dollars to close. We haven't sold this one. She's pregnant. And I, I decide that I'm mutually going to quit my job. So super high stress situation. And somewhere leading up to the mutual decision to leave that job, they <laughs> had me meet with an industrial psychologist. And at the end, end of the assessment, he gave me a list of books. One of the books was called, and this is one of my top three recommended books for anyone, is Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy by, by Dr. Burns. And some of the concepts in the book are cognitive behavioral therapy, which I then researched, found out that came from stoicism, which is, yeah. and then I dove deep on stoicism, and it's why I'm such a big believer in, in stoicism and, and Buddhism as well. Those are, those mm -hmm. are two, two that I study. The... But the big exercise was called thought auditing. And so it was wow. the idea, a friend recently said a Ram Dass quote, I, I believe it was, the mind is a wonderful tool, but a horrible master. Yeah. And so when you think about how most of us live, we, we have this voice in, in a lot of Eastern culture, they might call it the monkey mind. <laughs> so you got the monkey mind just talking all the time. Mm -hmm. And when you actually listen to it, 90% of the time or more, it's a negative message. And it's constant loops. Constant so chatter. Monkey mind constant mind. chatter, but repeating itself. You're not good enough. You can't do it. That person doesn't like you. They said, your wife said this because of this. Your husband said this because of this. And none of it's true. It's just, it's just a voice. And so what the thought aud auditing exercise taught you was write down what the voice says on a piece of paper. On the other side of the paper, write four to five logical things that are in opposition to that. So a simple example I give you is my wife asked me to load the dishwasher. My thought is she thinks I'm a lazy piece of crap. Like the, my brain just spits that out. Yeah. Write that down. On the other side of the paper, write down. She has a job too. She's tired. Uh, she wow. picked up the boys and cooked dinner. She wants help. She wants to split the housework. You need to step up. Like what are all these logical reasons that have nothing to do with me as a person? Because all she's saying is I need some help. Can you load the dishwasher? That's all she's saying. But we want to ascribe something to it yeah. that's deeper. And usually we want to ascribe something to it that attacks us personally. So when you, when you learn to recognize that isn't real, by consistently auditing those thoughts and writing down the more logical ones, you learn to shut that voice off. And you learn to take charge of your mind. So then it's not my mind is my master. It's my mind is my tool. And so when do I turn my mind on? When I want to use it. 
what do I want to do today? What is my plan for the day? I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And so for those exercises, I'll turn my mind off or on. In between, or when someone's having a conversation with me, I'll shut it off. I'm just here to listen. I'm here to be present. I'm here to take in what you're saying. And so that subtlety of being able to shut it off and turn it on when you want to use it for how you want to use it and to recognize when the voice is trying to generally the, the inner sabotage, if you will, yeah, when it's trying exactly. to sabotage you, shut off the sabotage. <clears throat> so that was a major mind, mind. That was a major shift in life because that. So now I've become someone who can achieve shit. Mm hmm. But I wasn't the clearest thinker and combine that with the ADHD diagnosis in my twenties. So I wasn't always focused on the right things and I was scattered and I was letting my mind do the thinking. Yeah. So now all of a sudden I'm able to take a step back and say, wait a second, I'm in charge of my conscious thinking. Gosh, that must have been such a game changer. Wow. Life changing. Because now, now I know where I want to go because that's step one of the equation. I know how to get to places now because I've done it. I know the equation, but I wasn't good enough at number one. And number two requires you to do the thinking. So now I'm able to lay out steps. I'm able to say, how do I do them? And then I've already built the muscle to go get the shit done. So that was a massive game changer. That, that was game changer yeah. too. Okay. Honestly, if you can manage your mind in life, you can pretty much do everything else that comes your way. Like there's nothing that stops you. And what you described is extremely powerful and reminds me of if you're familiar with Byron Katie's work, where she talks about questioning beliefs like, is this true? So she hosts these workshops and her entire life has been dedicated to helping people just question their belief systems. So, I mean, I like how you go even deeper with actually writing it down and then at the spot, like, you know, writing every other alternative explanation to that, that that's so cool. And you do as a, as a practice even now, right? Not now because, because okay, that time. It, it depends on who you are, because, because for me, once, once I internalized how to do it, it became almost a, just an ability to like see the monkey mind and just yeah. smile, just smile at him and say, Detached. okay, yeah. okay, okay, monkey mind. That was a good one. Get back, yeah. get, get back in the cage till I need you. And, and, and so there was less of a need to write it down. Yeah. The, in, in what Byron Katie's doing there. So there's two, two pieces to this one. And, and I like to equate it to a computer. So with a computer, hardware, software, mm. operating systems or OS, right? So to get shit done, I went in reverse order in the way I learned these. I would go yeah. in the opposite order if I was a young person. So I, I, I fixed my operating systems first. Then I fixed my software, which is our conscious mind. Right. Right? Because I'm aware of it. So it's the software. It's the program. Bad program. I'm going to change the program. I'm going to change the software. So the third one is the hardware. And so I was putting everything ahead of like work was number one. I put it ahead of everything mm. to, to the detriment of my relationship with my son. He stopped saying, I love you. My marriage was on the rocks. I was a bad husband. The, 
and I was ready to leave. And and my wife, we got in a fight. It, it was pretty much done. And, and she said to me, I will never stop fighting for us. Oh, man. Wow. And that to me was a wake up call. It was okay. I can't either. So if you're willing to go all in, I am. And I can't be 100% responsible for the relationship, but I can be 100% responsible for what I bring to it. And so I have to become a better man. I have two boys. I have to, I have to be able to teach them what it means to be a good man. And so what does that mean? And so I, so I joined Men's Work Circle and started to dive deep into that world. In one of the exercises that we did, you had to stare each other in the eyes. And yeah. it, ju it just felt awkward. Uncomfortable, and I, I, right? Yeah, and I, I, I would laugh. And yeah, I, 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 sa I said to the guy who was leading the group, like, why do I laugh every time we do this? And he said, maybe you don't take yourself seriously enough. And maybe other people don't either. And I was like, it was another one. So you see how I remember these ones that are like yeah. gut, they're like gut punches. Cause you just like, you're like, holy shit. Seriously. I will never forget you saying that to me. Like I went back to work. I, I have, you know, 30 people on my team at work. I took some of them out for <laughs> coffee and I'm like, do you take me seriously? Like, oh my, oh my God. God. Like, like, is he right? Yeah. And so, so I went deep. It was such a wake up call. They had a recommended reading list in the next month. I read every book on that list. A bunch of them were on shadow work. So I, no. I, I started and that's, that's where we get to the hardware. So the mm -hmm. hardware is all of those beliefs, all of those behaviors, all of those systems that we created from, let's say zero to about, I want to say 11 because you know, for me personally, I don't really remember like grade five is kind of when I have conscious memories of like mm. being a human and making decisions for my own. But then the question is, what was all that programming from Before. zero to 11? And that's yeah. the limiting beliefs. That's the drives that we're not even aware of. Like I wasn't aware that I was pushing myself at work to become something so my dad would say he was proud of me and I was sacrificing my wife and my kids for that. So, so, so once you become, so that's the hardware and we've got to replace the hardware, right? It might've served us at some point in our life, but it's not serving us today. And that was, that was the number three. So over the last decade, we replaced the hardware, <laughs> we've upgraded the software and we continue every day to change our operating systems. Even the software gets upgraded. And once in a while, the hardware gets, gets addressed too. Cause you go to another workshop, you work with another uh, spiritual leader, healer, yeah. whatever we want to want to frame it. And, and you fix the hardware, you give it, a, you give it an upgrade to the hardware. You reboot your would software. That be by, would that be by conscious awareness and intention to, to replace the hardware? Yeah. So you, so it's the hardest one to replace, right? Because yeah, you're, exactly. you're, not, you're not aware of it. And so yeah. if you think about working with a coach, here's the fun part. So I don't know if you've ever seen the box, but what, what you have is 
you have behavior on your, on your Y axis and on, mm. on your X axis, you have consciousness. And yeah. so you start always in unconscious and you start with undesired behavior. So that it's four quadrants. So you're in the quadrant um, unconscious of undesired behavior. So when you think about that at work, how are you showing up in a way that's not great for your career? How are you yeah. showing up in your relationship in, an, in a way that's not great for your relationship? And, and what you have to have is you have to have that person who's willing to show you your unknowns. So Clint, you have this behavior in meetings where you do this. Oh shit, I wasn't aware of that. Can you do me a favor? Every time I do that, can you just give me a nose tap? And so what you're doing is now it's still an undesired behavior, but you're becoming conscious of it because you're that friend, right. that teammate is giving you the tap and you're, oh shoot, I did it. Okay. Okay. I don't want to do that. And then, and then you work with them to say, well, what behavior do we want to replace that with? Let's just replace it with silence. So instead of feeling a need to answer and not add value to the topic in a meeting, let's replace that with silence. Let's replace it with counting to 10. Yeah. And so now what you're doing is they're teaching you to see it. So when you're about to do it, you were, you, you, you're consciously having to replace the bad behavior with a good behavior. You're conscious of it. Oh, wait, I just caught myself. I was going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Let's replace it with the counting and, and maybe box breathing. Okay, now I'm conscious of that. You do that long enough and it moves into unconscious desired behavior because you've done, you've done the desired behavior long enough that you no longer need to be conscious of it. And that's the goal with everything. So if there's things in our shadow, we want to work with someone who brings them up. All right, this is what's in your shadows. This is this is a coping mechanism. This is a behavior you've had that we see. It was in the dark, but we brought it to the light. So let's work with that. What do we want to replace that with? And let's consciously replace that bad thinking or, or behavior or coping mechanism with something positive until it becomes unconscious. And you don't need to think about it anymore. That's our goal is, is, is to get it. So you're doing the desired behavior without having to think. And so that, that can be very hard because, because you can't see it. So yeah. you need, you need a teammate, you need a colleague, you need a friend, you need a coach, you need a mentor, someone who can say, these are your blind spots. These are the behaviors we have to shut off. These are the behaviors we have to change. You can't yeah. do that. You can't do that alone because you can't be observing yourself as an outsider 24 seven and seeing those undesired behaviors. Exactly. And I mean, this work is so revelational. It's just crazy. And it takes so much of courage to actually confront your inner demons and have someone else guide you through this. So it takes being vulnerable, being courageous. It's a whole other level of inner work, which I'm sure you know, brings about shifts in every other area of life as it did in yours as well. And I love this concept that's a core part of your work, which is about radical responsibility. What's that about? 
So this is this is probably the most important thing for any of us. And it's also one where I want to be very conscious of differences between us all, right? It's very easy for me to say, be radically responsible and you can change your life. Yeah. When, when I'm a, when I'm a, 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 a white cis heterosexual, uh, wealthy guy living in Vancouver, Canada. And, oh, and, yeah. and my wife does like a ton of the housework. So uh, my lived experience is completely different than other people's. And so what radical responsibility is, is saying, I am responsible for everything in my life. I am responsible for every outcome I want to achieve. If there's something I want, I can get it. If there's something I want to do, I can do it. If there's something I want to become, I can become it. And the only person that can achieve that is me. Mm -hmm. I can't rely on anyone else to hand it to me. I can't rely on anyone else to write me a million dollar check. I can't rely on winning, you know, in not to pick on you, mom and dad, but when we're together and we're talking about retirement and they're talking about how big the six, you know, the local lottery is, I'm talking about like, how do I make more money? How do I save? What do I invest it in? Yeah. And, and they're talking about, you know, buy some scratch tickets. So you, that's, that's, you can't count on that's that, the right? Like, yeah, I know. You know, and, and that's mentality. And so the important thing is even, even though I, I am all of those things, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I wasn't achieving shit because I didn't take ownership of my life. I didn't do the work on my hardware, software, and operating systems. So someone could say it's easy for you to say that, Clint, because of the list of things I listed. Yeah. But but shit, I had all of those things when I wasn't accomplishing anything. So, So those aren't the answer. Maybe it was easier for me once I decided to radically own my life. And once I decided to do the work on my hardware, software, and OS. But the answer isn't simply those things. The The bigger answer is I'm optimizing for how good I can become. So anyone else who doesn't tick those those boxes, they can still optimize for their situation. You live in a different country, not as much opportunity as Canada. Great. Well, be the best friggin' person you can be in that country. In your capacity. In your capacity. Because there's people Mm -hmm. who are friggin' winning in that country. It's not only Canadians who are winning. Like, if I really wanted to win, I'd be in America. They have way more opportunity than we do over here. Yeah. But I still feel like I'm winning. So wherever you are, Whatever your background, whatever your race, creed, religion, sexuality, those aren't the number one thing that's holding you back. The number one thing that holds all of us back is us. That's radical responsibility. Stop holding yourself back. I think we really underestimate how empowering that mindset shift is. If you take responsibility for your life, Everything else is in your hands. You can't blame anyone. You dump playing victim and you basically are your life's creator, right? And I want to come to the wealth stuff now because I know it's a part of your co-work as well. What is your personal philosophy or approach towards achieving financial freedom? 
Yeah, so for the for the average person, finances it, it ought to be really simple. And I like to boil life down always in different areas to three things, right? Because if you do two, it's yeah. not enough. If you do four, it's just <laughs> so confusing. So yeah. the three the three for money are simple. Earn more, spend less, invest the yeah. invest the rest, right? Yeah. Whatever's left over, invest it. Because if you put it in savings, you're losing money. Mm. So, so, so what does that look like for me? Earn more comes back to everything we've talked about in this conversation. Mm. If you fix your hardware, improve your software, and upgrade your operating systems, you will earn more. You earn yeah. what you are worth. You earn the value that you bring to a person who's willing to pay you less the profit they're gonna make off of you if you're an employee. Mm -hmm. So if you're an employee and your employer can make an extra $2 million a year because you're on their team, you're probably worth up to a million bucks. If they, if they make an extra 500 grand, maybe you're worth 250. If they don't make extra money, but you keep the lights on, you're worth whatever that position pays in market. So the more you increase the value you bring to the table, the more you can get paid. And as an entrepreneur, you get paid for the value you bring 100%. So increase, if you want to increase your earnings, increase what you are worth by increasing your knowledge, your skills, your behaviors, your habits, produce more and you'll be paid for it. So, so that's, that's generally what I focus on, on, on earnings is focus on investing in yourself, courses, education, and do the work outside, right? Whether it's side hustles, learn how to be a copywriter, mm -hmm. learn how to have a podcast, learn how to be a public speaker, build what I call rare skills. So, if you, if, if you have an education in a quantitative field, like I do, I'm a finance mm -hmm. accounting guy. Yeah. <laughs> There's not many of us who are public speakers. There's not many of us who are writers. Or podcasters, yeah. Or podcasters. So, so when all of a sudden you combine all of those, wow, you, be amazing. You, you become rare. So you, it's hard to be 1% in anything. Mm -hmm. It's harder to be 0.01. But it's not that hard to get into the top 10%. It's not super hard to be a top 10% mm -hmm. writer on Twitter, copywriter, yeah. spe speaker, podcaster, let's YouTuber. The 10% isn't hard. And if you're in 10% on 10 different things, that's like being in the 1%. That's like being in the 0.01%. So go deep in one area and then get really mm. good in a lot of other areas and make the areas, areas that combine super well and uncommonly. So be that engineer who can talk about Web3, who can talk mm. about... AI, because you have the technical chops and you've learned to be a good writer 
and a good public speaker. Because now you can become an authority on topics pretty easily through social media. So that's a path to increase your value and what you can get paid. So that's my number one thing is earn more. Number two is spend less. And the reason I always put earn more ahead of spend less is there's a limit to how little we can spend. So you have the financial independence, early retirement, fire community for those who don't know those people. And a lot of them, a lot of fire people focus on extreme frugality. I don't, I don't want to live an extremely frugal life. I like my Starbucks every day. I Mm -hmm. like going on nice vacations to wherever I want in the world. Ideally, whenever I want, however I want. Right. And so to me, yeah, I don't want, I don't need X amount. Like I don't need to have a Jeff Bezos yacht, but, but I want to live a very comfortable life. And so there's a, there's a monetary requirement for that. So I'm only going to lower my spending to that level. And to do that, if you want to stop working, you need to have a much higher asset base. So that's why Mm. I've, I've always focused on earning more and investing well. For the average investor, when you get to step three, and then maybe we'll pause on step two for the spend less. So really just audit why are you spending your money? Because a lot of times we're doing it because of those hardware decisions. So we we think we're buying that nice car or that nice watch because we want it. We're buying it because we think it will impress someone because we didn't impress someone when we were in grade 11. Let well that said. let that friggin' go. Like no one gives a shit about your nice car or your fancy watch, right? Like they might be like, oh nice, and give you a thumbs up on Instagram, but they'll forget tomorrow. And you'll yeah. keep paying that car payment for six years. <laughs> so true. just let it go, right? Like buy it because you need it. Buy the best quality of what you need so it'll last a long time, but only if you need it. Like stop buying the things you don't need. So that that would be Really focus on spend that. wisely, basically spend, spend wisely, right? There's a difference between frugal and, and cheap, like be yeah. frugal. If you decide my wardrobe is going to be comprised of this, this, and this buy some really nice pieces that will last mm. you five plus years that you can wear, not throw away fashion as an example. So I, I, I'd say that on the invest for the average investor who's listening index funds. You know, sounds super simple, but like Warren Buffett says, for the average person, unless you have an informational advantage that can help you out earn mm-hmm. index funds, index funds are your best way to invest. And the reason that is, is they're low cost. So low fees, fees kill you. And they, they mimic the market over time. Very few mutual fund managers or professional day traders or money managers mm-hmm. beat the market in the fullness of time. So it, it, so if people don't beat the market and, and you already have a job, have a family, have this, this, and this, are you really going to have enough time to go pick the right stocks? So put 90% of your money into index funds and that other 10%, maybe have that as your play money. And, and so with that, one of the things uh, I loved a book by Peter Lynch and he really said, invest in what you love. Like there's some fundamental analysis to it, but like if you drink Starbucks every single day, buy some Starbucks. If mm. you were obsessed with Netflix when it came out before anyone else yeah. was on it and you were like, shit, this is way better than cable. 
buy some Netflix. Like now that I know these things, I look back and I think, oh, such a doughhead. Like, yeah. why wouldn't I have bought Amazon? And not because it's done extremely well, but because it became part of our vernacular. Yeah, the stuff that you consume, right? When something becomes a verb. Mm. Wait a second. Mm -hmm. Just Google it. Eh, we're going to Netflix and chill. Like these, the, these, they're not products anymore. They're part of our lifestyle. Hundred. So, so if you can recognize that early with things where, where you are already making it part of your lifestyle before other people are put, put, put some of your 10% into that an amount that's not going to kill you if you're wrong, right? Only, only invest what you're willing to lose and, and leave the other 90% just in the market. For me personally, because I've been in the real estate industry for 13 mm. years and I've worked for, for people who have achieved massive amounts of wealth, what I do is I look at how they did it and I say, how, did that, how do I do that on my scale? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's been, it's been over the last decade, we've bought a fair amount of real estate in, in the right markets at the right times. And have, we've done extremely well at that. Not so well this year. This is with yeah. the with the rising interest rates. It's been pretty punitive. But it's a what I love about real estate is it's a twenty five year play, twenty year play. So let me give you an example. Let's say I own about ten million dollars of real estate. Okay, and. 20 years from now, when I'm 65, e even though I love all this side hustle, I love the creator, I love the coaching, I decide I don't want to do anything. Well, by 65, even if I don't, real estate doesn't appreciate and I don't earn any extra cash flow from those properties over the 10 years, they, mm -hmm. they're just cash flow neutral. In 20 years, the mortgages are gone. Mm, right. So, so let's say my net worth was zero when I went into it. I used 100%. <laughs> I'll hit 65 and my net worth will be $10 million. Assuming Damn. no other investments, zero other investments, zero appreciation in those investments, no cash flow from them over time. Mm. In 20 years, my net worth will be $10 million higher. That's the power of that asset class is wow. it's a long, slow, steady way to get wealthy. And would you say the same principles apply to Gen Z's right now who are literally minting money in the online space? Yes. So the same principles apply in that you ask yourself because making money is one thing. Yeah. Keeping money. It's a whole other game, isn't and, it? <laughs> yes. And growing wealth is another thing because what yeah. a lot of these young people might be missing is how, how many pro athletes are, are bankrupt. Mm. Pe people who made $100 million, they have zero. Damn. Just because so, of not spending and investing wisely and using their resources in the right way, right? Exactly. They, yeah. they earn they hit number one, they earn more, 
but they didn't recognize that it was finite. What's mm. what's the what's what's the average career length of a person in their field? And so they they got used to earning that number and they never modified their spending. So they just spent up to what they mm. earned, not recognizing that the earning is going to disappear. And number yeah. three, maybe they didn't have the right people around them. Maybe maybe they got taken advantage of. They didn't invest in a way where they could have that lifestyle forever. So so look at a guy like Rob Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski never spent his salary from the NFL. Yeah. He only spent his sponsorship money. So all the salary went into investments went into businesses, went into equities, real estate, so that it could it could be there when he retired. If his career got wiped out in three years, he, he would done. have he would have that nest egg because he didn't yeah. touch it. So that's the type of mindset these young digital online creators need yeah. to have. Is I have very big goals of what I want to be earning when I pivot. And when I write out when I whether by hand or whether whether in Excel, because I love Excel. <laughs> I don't earmark that for spending. It's, okay, here's the earnings number. Here's the marketing spend to grow bigger. Here's the team spend to grow the team. Here's the amount that will go into real estate. Here's the amount that will go into into buying businesses. Here's what's left over for us to spend. Because if I'm not investing it and somehow my account gets wiped out or I get canceled or whatever happens, if I haven't built the asset base to support me for the rest of my life, I'm effed. Mm. And, and, And so you look at these young creators and the number one message I would have for all of them is if you're making, you know, as they, as they like to say, if they're getting their bag, then then let's put that bag to work. Let's and put it to yeah. work before you spend. So what are you earning? How much of that are you going to reinvest so that you can grow grow your business? How much of it are you going to invest outside of your business so that you're not dependent on one thing? If you're mm-hmm. a YouTuber and your YouTube channel gets canceled or, or YouTube gets nuked, like imagine being a TikTok creator in the U.S. right yeah, now. Yeah, go on. I know. Right, like That's you're so you're, cute. you're yeah. making ten million a year off TikTok, and TikTok gets canceled. Yeah. Maybe it did in India, by the way. It did. Oh, and there you go. Their, right. Yeah, exactly. You, you you use your livelihood. Like I, I know some guys who are who are in India who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars per year on Twitter or on Instagram. Right, and. and what happens to them if they get shadow banned? Mm. They're, they're, or their meme account. A lot of it's meme accounts, right? What happens if that meme account gets shut down? Oh, hey, you were posting videos of celebrities that weren't approved that you didn't have copyright to? Yeah. Oh, we're going can- to <laughs> yeah. cancel your account. So, so th- there's $300,000 a year gone. What have you done investment-wise to make sure that you've set yourself up. What real estate have you bought? What stocks have you bought that are appreciating for you behind the scenes? That's the big thing for me, for these, for these young people, because I, I definitely believe part of, part of what I, what I want to get involved in and want to start doing is investing in uh, software as a service companies. 
because that's a form of digital real estate. So I want to own physical real estate in the real world and I want to own digital real estate as well because it's a lot, lot lower entry point. But the issue is I want to make sure I'm doing all three because if any one of them blows up, I want to be protected. So I want to have a certain amount in real estate, a certain amount in equities, certain amount in crypto, a certain amount in digital real estate. And so don't get hyper-focused on one and think I'm printing so much money in my digital real estate that life's good, life's golden. Make sure that you're protecting yourself by taking some of that out of the digital real estate and putting it into the equities and putting it into real real estate so that if something goes wrong, you're still okay. That's, you know, that's diversification. Don't Don't just diversify the stocks you own, diversify the asset classes that you're investing in. Damn, that is really, really useful. Thank you for that. What has been a favorite lesson from one of your millionaire mindset guests that you have implemented that has really brought about great results in your life? Well, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a guest. It would be, it would be, these would be, these would be people, high net worth individuals who I've been lucky enough to have conversations with in real life. And some of the ones that jump out at me are, you know, I'd say, I'd say three or four. One of them is buy when there's blood in the streets and Warren Buffett talks about this, right? You buy when other people are selling, you sell when other people are buying. And, but the way he talked about that and the way he talked about it with respect to real estate, we, we took advantage of in 2019, we were very convicted and the real estate market was in a bit of a downturn here. The government had introduced like 10 different taxes mm-hmm. and oh, what a nuisance legislation to hammer. They, they wanted to lower prices because it was becoming unaffordable. And so no one was buying. And so we looked at that and said, it kind of feels like there's blood in the streets. People aren't building, people aren't buying. Everyone's saying real estate's dead. And we, we ended up, we bought four, four townhomes. So that was a big big belief and conviction that no Vancouver is where people want to live. It's one of the best places in the world. Let's go deep. So we, with those four acquisitions, we doubled the amount of properties we were holding. And over the next two years, real estate values went up like 65%. And so, yeah, there's a fair amount of luck there, right? Like Mm -hmm. none of us knew what was going to happen coming out of that. Like, in COVID, things were going to explode and real estate <laughs> prices weren't going to go down. They were going to skyrocket. But we wouldn't have we wouldn't have benefited from the luck if we hadn't had a belief, had a conviction, and made an investment or a wager on it, yeah. if you will. So that that would be one. Buy when there's blood in the streets. He also talked about this concept of the path of progress. So when you, when you, when you, and this goes back to even when you and I were talking about verbs like Netflix or Google and what we were talking about there was looking at these technologies as the future. When do you start to realize that open AI or Bing chat are the future? And when do you make your investment in Microsoft? Cause you say, holy crap, they're way ahead. This is going to replace Google. So as an example, that's path of progress technological wise. So you're always looking for what's, what is in that path of progress that I want to take advantage of. 
And with real estate, it's saying, where is the real estate going versus where is it today? So a lot of people call that gentrification. What do they, what do they call it? G gentrification. Gentrification. So, okay. so, so you have, hey, this is a slummy area of town. But over mm -hmm. a 10-year period, it becomes, first it becomes where the hipsters and artists move to because it's, a, <laughs> because it's affordable. And then yeah. all of a sudden, the hipsters and art artists are there. So nice restaurant, you know, little boutique restaurants, boutique shops start to Bali, basically. It, it, yeah. So all of a sudden it's cool. People want to be there. And then people with money start to come because they're like, oh, that's mm -hmm. cool. I want to be where cool oh people are. Oh my God. Are. Wow. And, yeah, and, and so how that. do you, how do you spot that early? And for us, when not only did we choose four places, but we looked at what are the areas that are in the path of progress and how do we take advantage of those while there's blood in the streets? Mm. So that type of thinking. And so always saying, I'm not just going to buy real estate. I'm going to buy it in the path of progress. I'm going to buy where people are going, not where they are. Because yeah. if you're buying where they are, the appreciation's already built in. If you buy where they're going, you're adding capital appreciation to the plan. So that, so those, those would be the two biggest ones. And those have had the biggest impact on our financial wealth. And, and then the last one would just be putting it, putting it all together, like having that deep thought of, so for example, I look at real estate and I look at it with bands, like you have apartments, mm -hmm. townhouses, single family homes. Quite, and yeah. once your apartments get to a certain price, you're going to, you're going to buy a townhouse because you're like, well, why would I live in an apartment when I can have like my own townhouse or do, or do, or, or half a duplex, right? Or a fourplex. A condo you mean? Yeah. A condo. Like why would I live yeah. in a condo when I can live in a, yeah. in a townhouse that has three yeah. floors and it's bigger. If they're the same price, I'm going to move into the townhouse yeah. and I'm only going to live in that townhouse up, <clears> to, <throat> up until a certain price before I'm going to buy my own single family home with a yard mm. because once the prices get close, I'm going to switch. And so you look at over time, how have those prices trended against each other and just monitor when there's imbalances and look to take advantage of the imbalances and say, oh, like apartments have really started to move. And historically, the way prices have worked in an up cycle, apartments go first, then townhouses start to run and then single family. Mm -hmm. So if I see apartments going, why don't I, why don't I buy a townhouse or why don't I buy a single family? So just paying attention to the patterns and seeing, okay, yeah. what, what patterns have consistently repeated themselves and what am I seeing in the market today? Those are, wow. those are the big three. Lots I've learned. Thank you for sharing all those facts. I learned two new terms, gentrification and the path of progress. Was that correct? Path of progress. Yeah? That's right. Yeah. Path of progress. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And your podcast, The Growth Guide, focuses on helping people unlock their potential and achieve success. What has been like a key emerging theme that arises out of all your conversations with your guests repeatedly? Two words that, that have similar meaning. I'll give you three. Yeah. Presence thoughtfulness, and intentionality. Wow, I love that. So regardless of what the author is talking about, 
when we have a conversation, they're present for that conversation. Yeah. And, and you can tell that that level of presence they bring to anyone they're talking to about mm. the topic they're passionate about. So if you want to be successful, like when I'm talking, when you and I are talking, I'm, I'm zoomed in on our conversation. We're, we're, we're both present for this. So presence is very important in life. Be present. The thoughtfulness and the intentionality are whether the book is about sleep, whether the book is about working out, whether it's about how to be a public speaker or how to have conversations. Mm -hmm. Anytime you want to be good at any one of these, you have to intentionally make the decision. And that goes back to our, we're unconsciously yeah. unaware of the bad behavior. We're aware of the bad behavior. We're aware of the good behavior. We're unconscious that we're behaving in a good way. That's intentionality. We want to go from that lower right quadrant of unconscious bad behavior to unconscious good behavior. We want to work our way through the circle. And we're only going to do that if we're intentional. And, and, and then the third thing that brings that together is the thoughtfulness. So it's... For me, the deep thinking that you're doing about what you're reading, about what you're hearing in the podcast, about what you're learning, and just having that thought process to think about it all and to be willing to change your mind. So someone wrote something on Twitter that I, I agreed with yesterday, which you know, it amazes us that so many people aren't willing to change their mind. You know, They, they have a decision. Yeah. This is the way. And they stick to it. And someone might call me a flip-flopper. They might say, oh, you flip-flop. But in reality, I make decisions based on the information that I have. And sure. if that information changes, I have to thoughtfully consider the new information and be willing to change my opinion. So if you can focus on being present, being thoughtful and, and being intentional. intentional, you can really change yeah. it. You can really change your life. Wow, man, there is so much to unpack in this one hour conversation. It's almost like a handbook to living life. Honestly, thank you so oh. much for all your value and insights. And just before you go, we're ritual from my side. Describe an epic being. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, so for me, an epic being is someone who, who has done the work. They've get it, it done, right? <laughs> well, well, not just gets it done because that's the OS, but they've done, they've, they've, they've rebooted their hardware. Yeah. They've, they've optimized their software True. and they have the right operating systems. So not only are they getting shit done, but they're getting it done in the pursuit of their purpose because oh, wow. we all have a different one. So when we see epic beings, we see people who are living to their fullest potential on the path to their purpose or in their purpose. That's what's epic about it. You're seeing them fulfill their mission, and that's powerful. And I have the biggest ban on my face. I love what you just said. And where would you like people to find you, Clint? On Twitter or anywhere else? Yeah, the, the two spots I'll guide you is on Twitter, we are at I am Clint Murphy, and I answer all my DMs. So if you have questions, DM me. That's how we're yeah. on this show today. The And then on 
the website, the World Wide yeah. Web. I am at thegrowth.guide. So those are the two. You don't yeah. use Instagram too much, do you? We do. We do. We are the Clint Murphy on Instagram. Yeah. Clint Murphy everywhere. Go find them, guys. Yeah. You're missing out otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolute honor and really appreciate the conversation. Thank you. I really appreciate being with you. That was fun. And that's the wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this conversation resonated, help spread the value by sharing with a friend and feel free to share your thoughts and comments on Instagram at epic.beings. Also, to stay up to date with weekly episodes, you may want to hit subscribe. Until next time, stay epic.